0: Seven seconds.
1: Talk Radio.
0: Yeah. Oh, I guess I need
1: to play this one. Welcome. This oh, is All About Wine, the talk show wow. dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. Featuring winemaker, cellar oh, master, vineyardist, oh, and, and tasting, tasting. expert, Line.
2: Basically, what we're trying to do in this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. Yeah. From coast to coast, around the world. You know, we really have had some some neat people on the program. I I just, I love that.
1: Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwine.com. Again, that's www.facebook.com dot facebook dot forward slash all about wine all about wine and yeah. now all about wine is on here's Ron yeah Woo-hoo. yay yay all yeah. right thank, thank you thank you I think that's the same crowd we had
0: last time they I think
2: so yeah it sounds like it
0: mm. yeah. Yeah. yeah it sounds like what the what did
2: just hung out, took, took a room. They enjoyed it so much, took a room. We'd give them nice wine, and they took a room, stayed the yeah, week, and yeah. visited some of the yeah. Florida attractions and
0: mm-hmm. came,
2: came back here for a, Yeah, yeah. Thanks, people, for hanging out. Awesome. appreciate it. Cool. Yeah. Um, Another episode of All About Wine, live.
0: But wow. It's Thursday. It's live if it's Thursday, September 9th. So, it's not Thursday, 7 p.m., September 9th, 2021. We're not really live. We're not
2: live. That's that's true. Yeah. Okay, uh, September 9th. Okay, what have we got here? Uh, okay, September. September is California, Illinois, Missouri, North Carolina, Wine Month. It is... Wow. Uh, yeah, I know they they try to squeeze as many. It's not there's a wine month almost every month of the year, but not all fifty states are are represented uh, honoring a wine month. I don't understand that. Hmm. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, you've got Illinois, you got Missouri, you have got North Carolina and California. Those n- not all those are noted as big wine states, but those are actually wine month celebrated could,
0: for those. States. We could have like a. A national wine celebration, and you know, for all the states, and then we can uh, invite uh, California. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize the, the drummer came in today. Okay, cool, nice to see. You. Yeah, he did. Um, he did. Yeah, <laughs> for the for the states, you know, just like a either month or you know whatever, just something that's you know backed, and they don't have a. there's yeah. I know there's a there's a national wine day i know or is that is that yeah. regional also because i've, I've ordered, you know national red wine and there's, white a, there's wine. a little bit of
2: everything there's international cabernet yeah. sauvignon day there's uh right international coming up on the 11th is international grenache day and oh, wow. let's see uh it, back last month there was an international rosé day and uh you know national wine and cheese day was way back in july and Oh yeah, there's there's just all sorts of days. Hmm. Uh, yeah, like I say, exactly. I, I was saying last week, I found a whole bunch of stuff. Even you know, here June the third is Sommier Day, so they even get their day. Uh,
0: wow.
2: In June, you have Idaho, Ohio, and Iowa Wine Month back in June, uh, and hmm. uh, this is interesting. Back in May. Oregon Wine Month, but you also have Finger Lakes Wine Month in May. Not New York, but mm. Finger Lakes. So
0: Yeah. yeah. Sure.
2: And and then uh May the twenty fifth is National Wine Day. So yeah, these, you know, like it was explained last month, mm. I found all these different yes. celebrations in here. But uh this this uh coming up I think either tomorrow or Saturday, I'm not sure. You know, because they they change all these things. Uh, but uh, tomorrow the tenth is Port Wine Day, so that's a uh, wow. celebration. And people aren't familiar with port, you really should be. It's it's a good drink, uh, usually sweet, but really good drink. And let's see. So, oh,
0: then meant to ask you, and I don't i don't want to put you on the spot, but you you used to make a star fruit wine, yes. and for some reason, I bet you I still have a developing bottle somewhere. I don't know. I have to check. But my neighbor down the street has a star fruit tree, and he brought over a bag of 30 of these things. Oh, yeah. And they're very he, prolific trees. They're high in fiber. They're you know, really yeah. good, and and so I I cleaned it, cut them, uh, cut the ends off, and uh, I didn't realize they had seeds in them. <laughs> but, uh-huh. uh I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking, how many how many starfruits would you need roughly to make something like that to make a wine? And because I, of, I don't know, I,
2: I sliced. Uh, them. I I would get the starfruit in. Same thing okay. with the orange yeah. and with the. Uh, uh starfruit, orange, oh,
0: okay, orange okay, okay. and
2: key lime. I knew I made another one. I couldn't think okay. of it. Uh, nope. <laughs> um, <laughs> the key lime, starfruit, and orange. I would slice the fruit and, and just take the fruit itself and slice it, quarter it up, and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and throw it in a barrel or a tank and just let it sit there. And the fruit would start crushing itself within each other and I would stir it every once in a while i check to be sure that it wasn't molding or going bad and yeah. then I would it
0: doesn't, it doesn't have a long shelf life. I heard like
2: no, three doesn't.
0: three days not refrigerated, maybe up to a week for refrigerated and then that's yeah. it. So,
2: it doesn't have a long shelf life. But I would start doing it. In a
0: and,
2: yeah, I'd put it in the barrel hmm. and then I did the, the wine wasn't 100% starfruit or 100% orange or 100% key, key lime. Uh, yeah. It was a, a percentage. Usually my percentage ran around 12 to 15% because mm. the fruits would give the wine a whole lot of flavor. And then I would do the white wine and blend it with it. so. Uh, The fruit, usually, I would get the white wine up and ready to go and almost ready. And then I would do the fruit. And within usually, uh, within two or three weeks, the fruit would be ready. And I would blend it in with the white wine to the level of flavor that I wanted. And so, Mm. yeah, it it wasn't just the fruit itself. I mean, the the fruit itself, I Mm. I can't see just 100%. Starfruit wine, I—it's I, so strong and so potent. I mean, you can—you yeah. know, I—I—I I, I, I never never went above, like I guess, say twelve fifteen percent was about the blending ratio I had, and it was always,
0: yeah.
2: you know, always good at that level.
0: Hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. But yeah, I, it, I kept. Oh, apparently, he's bringing a whole bag of uh, dragon fruit because he, he grows dragon fruit.
2: Oh, does he? Yeah. I
0: was like, oh, yeah. Last time I made a, a smoothie out of it, which was pretty good. I mixed all kinds of, like banana, dragon fruit, and I forgot what else went into it. Um, maybe some alcohol. I don't know. But anyway, it came out, and it was it was good. And, and I don't know if there's any benefits to that yet. But uh, dragon uh, fruit is star fruit, it's
2: really supposed to be high yeah. in antioxidants, Yeah.
0: Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Um, but it seemed to last longer. The, the star fruit, I put it on the on the counter and it's like you know two or three days later it's like oh, it's done it
2: <laughs> uh, starts so getting softer yeah. <laughs> and softer and softer yeah mm-hmm. that's why i yeah. uh i used to take star because a lot of people don't know what it is and i i would mm-hmm. go down to the store and i'd buy a star fruit and, and they, they were expensive i mean you know i don't know what they're at now mm-hmm. because i'd never buy them but they were expensive it'd be like you know a dollar dollar and a quarter for one little star fruit and wow i would go down the store i'd buy one and then i'd show people i said you know what this is and you know 90 percent of people go no but uh there'd be that 10 percent that yeah that's a star fruit you know we used to have one in our yard or something like this and then i'd go on mm. from there and uh the <laughs> uh star fruit would go bad so fast though it only lasts me about a week and yeah. it'd be so soft and mushy i'd end up going away and stopping by the store and buying another one so we had this one guy in our festivals that we were doing who was a woodworker. And uh, yep.
0: I – Don, he, I Don was yeah. Don, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, Don. Okay.
2: And uh, very, very good woodworker. I mean, he was very, very talented. Oh, yeah. And I said, Don, I, I want you to make me a little starfruit. And he goes, a what? I go, a uh, starfruit. <laughs> I said, I want you to make me a little sample of a starfruit so I can show people instead of having to buy it. He goes, what's a starfruit? And I go, well, look it up.
1: <laughs>
2: Two weeks later, he came back and handed me this wooden starfruit that looked so real I almost felt like I could cut it open and eat it.
0: He, I remember he, seeing that. It, it you was remember seeing It,
2: yeah, it was. <laughs> I mean, he, yeah. he did yeah. a, a fantastic job of it. And people said, well, that's too big. And I said, no, it isn't. It's too big for Florida starfruits because they're usually pretty small. But you know, yeah. I, I was surfing one day when I was home, and I came across Rachel Ray. This was quite a few years ago. And she said, and to add a little bit of spice to your salad, cut in some starfruit. And she reached down below the counter and pulled up the starfruit that was the size of a football. I mean, it was enormous. And so, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Probably growing on, wow. on her Rachel Ray starfruit farm somewhere, you know. But it was sure.
0: enormous. I yeah. but, wow. Um, I didn't know they could yeah,
2: they they got a lot bigger than I ever thought too. After I saw that one, and so, but yeah, yeah. It's, so I used to use a wooden starfruit to show people because you're right, they go bad so quickly that I was constantly buying the thing.
0: So, so hmm. I didn't know he knew it. that was a great re- representation of what it looked like and the color and everything. And oh yeah, just, he just colored the, it. Yeah. You put yeah. little brown
2: spots on it, too, like Starfruits gets a little brown spots. You put a little brown spots on it. He yeah. did a great job on that. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I so, uh, yep. I, um, I, I've got that in a box around here somewhere, too. I don't know where it is. I've got it in a box around somewhere. I couldn't see throwing it away because it was too good of a job. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they, you know, you can make wine out of anything. I it just it's unbelievable. If you really want to do it, you can make wine out of just about anything.
1: Yeah. You know, all,
2: all it takes yeah. is a little yeast to ferment, and it starts, it starts doing it. So.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, I know he's got a lot of it down there, but I don't think it's enough to even think about that. Plus, I don't have the the patience or the time or the chemical experience to even think about it. But, uh, very prolific
2: know. trees. Starfruit yeah. trees, very <laughs> prolific trees. I mean, you <laughs> know, they there's – yeah. people who have starfruit trees in your neighborhood are going around giving everybody <laughs> bushel baskets full of starfruit. <laughs> here, for okay. you, you know. I mean, it's just like Yeah. – they're very prolific. <laughs> and a lot of people yeah. – this is another problem with Florida star fruit. A lot of people cut down the trees after a few years because there's so much star fruit and it drops to the ground and it gets mm-hmm. soft. And so squirrels and birds and uh, you know, all rats and all sorts of small rodents come in and start eating it, which in turn mm-hmm. attracts snakes because the snakes know that all these things are going to be eaten as fruit here. So the snakes come in and eat the rats and the squirrels and stuff like that. And so people cut down the trees because they get tired of the rats and squirrels and birds and snakes all over their yard, whenever that star fruit, that's why they pick them as fast as they can and give them away to people because they're so prolific. <laughs>
0: okay. I didn't realize that.
2: Yeah. It's just, you know, I, I learned a lot about starfruit when I was doing the starfruit wine. So, uh, but uh, okay.
0: well, and I learned a lot too. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, well,
2: good. You know, uh, it's you know, yeah. educational program. It's not about wine, and at least <laughs> about starfruit.
0: <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, back to so. topic, but it kind yeah. of. It kind of worked into the same topic i mean it's uh Starfruit right. wine, wine. Star and about that and some of the process there yeah so
2: yeah someone's
0: oh
2: yeah. it's it's all and so actually we can talk about any fruit and work it into wine mm-hmm. because you can make wine out of just about anything so yeah. all right so i've got some things to tell you today uh a few odds and ends here uh, i want to revisit uh, oh, before the show's over too, I want Mike to pop in and tell about some of our past guests and some of the books and all that they offer. So, but we'll do that later. Um, I got the latest issue of Wine Spectator in today, and I want to go through this quickly here about the Grand Tour WineSpectator.com. Uh, Grand Tour wine com is the web address and it's uh taste exceptional wines rated at 90 plus points there are three places over 200 wineries and every one of them is rated at over 90 points so everyone that wants to have um, all sorts of countries you've got um, Argentina Australia Australia and Chile France Germany Greece Hungary Israel, Italy, New Zealand, Portugal, South Africa, Spain, Uruguay, and California, Oregon, Virginia, and Washington State from the United States. So a lot of representation, a lot of wines in there too. Las Vegas on Saturday, December the 4th of this year. Um, You can, again, go to purchase tickets and learn more about the whole thing at grandtour.spectator.com. But the first one's in Las Vegas. Then they have one in Washington, D.C. on Friday, December the 10th. Uh, and then they ended back in Chicago on Wednesday, December the 15th. I'm surprised they're doing this on a, on a weeknight, not a Friday or Saturday. But back in Chicago on Wednesday, December the 15th of this year. So tickets are on sale now. You can... Go again, grandtourwinespectator.com. dot com. I'm not. They don't list the prices here. I don't know they're they uh, expensive. You can get the what they call the VIP ticket, which gets you in a half hour or so earlier, or you can uh, just do the rigor tour and all that. But it's all cool. Saint Michelle Wine Estates has been sold. I told you that previously that they were up for sale, they are sold. Sycamore Partners has bought them. Uh, Michelle Saint, uh, Chateau St. Michel uh, also has the brand 14 Hands. You may have seen that. Very good wines. Chateau St. Michel's always done excellent wines. I mean, they have for years. I have drank their wines oh, for a long time, but the company that bought them, Sycamore Partners. Now, Sycamore Partners is a uh, investment group, if you will. They have holdings and brands including Staples, Express, Loft, and Taylor, Commerce Hub, and Lane Bryant, and The Limited. So, uh, you know, they, they're they quite diversified as far as a holding company. Now they can add Chateau Saint-Michel to their portfolio. Chateau Saint-Michel sells 7.3 million cases a year. That's 60% of all Worcester wine sales by volume. Wow. 2020 sales, top $614 million. They are the eighth largest U.S. wine company by sales and. In uh, the country, yeah. farms nearly 30,000 acres of vines in Washington, Oregon, and California. So they are enormous, obviously. Sycamore Partners holds more than $10 billion in capital. They were founded in 2011 by Stefan Kalinsey uh, and Peter Morrow. And they made their reputation by turning around Talbots and Zales when they were both failing the jewelry stores. They um, got those and brought them back to life. And then it, it says that they own more than 25 brands. And I just uh, told you some of their Nine West is another one that's included in that list. And uh, the limited, and, you know, this the uh, white, quite diversified so St. Michelle Chateau St. Michelle is not going to change they said they bought into it and they just want to add them to their investment portfolio and that's all they're not looking at changing them or doing anything other than just having them part of the Sycamore group okay Oregon and Worcester are facing record heat uh, Salem, Oregon on 629 this is uh, well, we're already nine but this was uh, obviously a month and a half ago but Salem, Oregon hit 117 degrees Fahrenheit Walla Walla Washington hit 116 degrees Fahrenheit on the same day the day before on the 628 Portland hit 116 degrees Fahrenheit and Seattle on the 28th hit 108 degrees Fahrenheit. They have never seen this level of heat before in that area. They said it is just unbelievable, but the vineyards are surviving. They are warning them. There's, They're able to pump water onto them to keep them alive. They were getting enough rain. The west is parched, but up there in the northwest uh, they're still getting some of the rainstorms coming in, and it's keeping it wet enough that it did not affect the grapes this year. <clears throat> Excuse me. The only concern is that this may continue, and if it continues, then uh, it's going to create a major problem for the growing areas up there. Wine Spectator's New York Wine Experience. This is a 40-year anniversary. They uh, they do this every year. This is a cool thing. They have all sorts of participating wineries. Uh, the uh, Critics' Choice Grand Tasting is Thursday, October 21st, and Friday, October 22nd. And just more wineries than I could, well, I can name them all, but there's no reason to. But there's a lot of big names here, names that you've heard, that you've tasted, that you have, and... Uh, all that. It is, uh, also includes the top 10 wines of 2020 and uh, the top three of 2019 are going to be part of the tasting. They have Wine Stars are going to be there, Famous Ventures and winemaking celebrities. They are going to have uh, a, a tribute to Ernest Gallo who uh, has passed away uh, uh not too long ago, I'm trying to think how long ago, I can't remember. Um, They are going to have uh, chefs, Uh, Emeril is going to be there, Uh, Danny, Eric, Rippert, all sorts of people going to represent. The weekend restorations are sold out, but you can join the wait list. Uh, It is nywineexperience.com and at least get on the list maybe next year you can be part of it too this is going to be October 21st to the 23rd New York City at the Marriott Marquis and it is really a, a fascinating event something that you would remember and talk about for years to come Wine Calories here we go again some more stuff on wine and the good or bad for you I was glad I found this because last Friday I went and saw a um, rheumatologist. I have problems with gout. And I, I tell you what, if you've never had gout, then you're lucky. And if you have had gout, my sympathy goes out to you majorly. It's just, it's painful whenever they talk about these old kings and stuff like that in the medieval times that would suffer from gout, you can understand why they were mean and why they cut off people's heads. I mean, it's just so painful. But gout now is something that can be treated as steroid shot and just knocks it out right away. But you have to go through the pain before the steroid shot. And so I went and saw the rheumatologist and he said, I have, I'm going to show you a chart, and he showed me a chart, and the things that don't aggravate gout. Dairy products, surprisingly, does not aggravate gout. He said you can drink drink as much milk or eat as much cheese or cottage cheese or yogurt or whatever you want, dairy products, and it will not affect your gout at all. He said what will affect your gout more than anything is beer beer, he showed, he said one serving of beer causes the percentage to increase this amount. Then he showed me a chart and he said two servings and three servings of beer you're going to get an attack because it's that high in uh, gout potential. Hard liquor was almost as bad as beer, but not quite. It would jumped up and it will cause problems. But, wine on the other hand doesn't affect it. Very, very little movement on the chart on drinking wine. And even the more you drink, it tends to have less of an effect on the gout. You have one drink, and it'll jump up a little bit, but then the time you have three drinks, it's dropping below the effective level. So wine is... And he told me that, and I was ecstatic. I figured, wow, this is worth a visit to the rheumatologist by itself just to know that I can drink wine is gonna help stop the gallon a little bit. But I found that out. But then I saw this article too. Wine calories may pull their own weight. It says a glass of wine contains about hundred and twenty five calories. But excuse me. But the calories may be counteracted as wine's polyphenols help burn them. Oh, that's a great thing. So, you can have wine and the polyphenols in the wine. One glass of wine is approximately 125 calories, but uh, people are not considering that the wine may be counteracted by the polyphenol content. So... One of the mechanisms that this works is it helps support weight loss and thermogenesis or the thermogenic effect, a metabolic process during which humans burn calories in order to generate heat. And it's as we drink wine during meals, we observe that when you drink red wine in moderation during meals, You're not adding more weight or abdominal fat. Polyphenol compounds seem to be responsible for this weight control health effect. They have also been shown to improve microbiota and increase thermogenesis. So, there you go. Have yourself wine with your meal. It's not going to cause a problem. And it's not going to cause weight gain or anything. Again, everything in moderation. So always keep that in mind. But uh, this is uh, the researchers found that moderate red wine intake was associated with a decreased prevalence of metabolic syndrome, a group of conditions that also increased the risk of heart attack, stroke, and diabetes. And so mainly by reducing the odds of having an abnormal waist circumference, high blood pressure, and high cholesterol. So it will help fight all that stuff. So enjoy your glass of red wine with your meal. It is definitely there, and it's definitely going to help you, and it's definitely going to taste good. Uh, Okay, now I had something here. Let me find it. Uh, Oh, here it is. Big Smoke. I don't know if... uh, uh... you're out there if any of you are cigar smokers but i belong to tasting not tasting i belong to a discussion group one of our guests we had on the show uh... was into cigars and uh... all that and he um let's see what is his website uh... I can't think of it right now. Well, I have terrible problems.
0: Uh, uh I think it was let me check to make sure before I, <laughs> uh
2: XYZ, A B C what, what?
0: It was X, Kapl- uh, Kaplowitz.xyz. uh Kaplowitz dot XYZ. dot K- yes. And he has all the shows on it. Yes. Yeah
2: has all these shows on there, and I'm I'm part of the discussion group. We discuss uh, a little bit of everything. There's uh, a, quite a diversified group on there, but uh, cigars is seems to be one of our topics we discuss quite often. And uh, uh, so, uh, if if you're interested in cigars, uh, check that out. XYZ.xyz. Uh, XYZ. but cigar aficionados, big smoke las vegas weekend at the mirage it's november the 5th and 6th 2021 tickets are going fast so you need to get them uh, pretty fast the seminar ticket packages is sold out but the big smoke evening tickets are selling you need to get that Uh, big smoke is back safe and fun filled so it's it's a safe event Uh, they promote safety in fact all these events promote safety because of the COVID. The Big Smoke evening consists of two unforgettable nights of cigars, food, drinks, and more. You can collect premium cigars from some of the best cigar makers in the world, and Cigar Fungiando included with every ticket. And uh, the... uh, seminars are sold out so i won't read you about that but the big smoke evenings are, are just sounds like a great event in itself so if you are a cigar smoker go to las vegas big smoke dot com uh it's all one thing las vegas big smoke dot com and you can uh, get your tickets for that november 5th and 6th and both nights they have the big smoke evening event so you can check that out and let's see there was one other thing I want to tell you that was in here and let me see if I can find it quickly because if I can't I'm not going to spend a lot of time searching Oh, they have a good article. That's right. They have a good article on New World wines versus Old World wines. A very good article, actually. I mean, if you know, it's, I, I honestly think it's worth the price of the, the magazine. This this issue of the magazine alone, just for this one article, uh, Wine Spectator. I, it doesn't. I guess this is because I subscribe. They don't have a price on it, but. Values showdown is name of the article. And it's old world versus new world wines, and the selections they've chosen for this roundup are all rated 88 points or higher, and all priced at twenty five dollars or less. So there you go. I mean, you can't ask for a better list of wines that are within, excuse me, that are within your your budget. So. But they have Cabernet Merlot and Blends as the first section. And it's Overall World uh, versus New World. And they got the scores by. And every one of them, I mean, there's some 93-point wines here, 92-point uh, wines that are like $20, $25 maximum and stuff. stuff. Uh, good thing. Then they have another section that is Malbec. And then Pinot Noir section. Then they have a Syrah Syrahs and blends section and then chardonnay uh overall versus new world then rhone style wines overall versus new world uh then riesling and sauvignon blanc uh, pretty big section of sauvignon blanc very very good if you're looking at trying different wines from the new world and old world and want to get some decent wines with good scores and keep the price down, you cannot go wrong with this article. This is one of the best ones I have seen in a long time to break everything down. So Wine Spectators, the October 15th issue, and you can check that out. Okay, um, let me get here. Um, I can get this to... My cursor to work. There we go. Uh, okay, this is uh, Tassel Ridge Winery, Iowa. Tassel Ridge Winery is uh, located in Leighton, Leighton, Iowa. They are south east of Des Moines and uh, phone number is not here so I can't give you the phone number but you can go to the website it is info at com. t-a-s-s-e-l-r-i-d-g-e dot com Uh, they uh, have uh, recipes they have all sorts of stuff here I don't know, are they open? Masks are required in the winery. Food tasting, wine by the glass and food service not available yet. But you can still go to the winery. Uh packaged purchases are available and prepackaged jellies, dipping oil sauces, cheese for off premise consumption, all that's available. And uh so Tasso Ridge Winery. Always good. Uh lot of Midwest grapes and they're using Uh, Some of the ones that will grow there, Idavice and uh, some Norton and different ones from that part of the country, which you normally don't find in the West Coast and stuff like that. So their uh, harvesting is being done now and probably will be for another couple of weeks yet. Uh, maybe up into October. I don't know what the, uh, what their schedule is on that. But Castle Ridge Winery, you can check them out the next opportunity you get if you're in that part of the country. Uh, mm-hmm. Ron Rubin Winery. I get an e-letter from them. Uh, they it's a very good e-letter. They're they're always uh, Telling us what's going on in the vineyard and what's happening, and they're in the middle of the crush now, uh, harvest and uh, crush, and they got a nice little video held telling about it. You can go to uh, RonRubinWinery.com and uh, see their e-letter there. It's uh, again, it's informative and it's written by the winemaker himself. He's he does all the all oh, the write-ups on this, and he shows the grapes, and he talks about the weather and everything throughout the year. A good, uh, informative little piece there. That's Ron Rubin Winery. Dot com. Excuse me. My throat's getting, getting. scratchy here. Okay. Uh, Let's see. Not that. Not that. Not that. Oh. Okay, this is from Wine Folly. Uh, The question is asked, is this France's greatest wine-growing region, the Pinot Noir and Chardonnay region, and uh, Burgundy? And it, it talks about that, and Chablis and Burgundy regions. It's... No definitive answer. You know, it's just a matter of taste on this. And that's after I read this whole article and all that, I'm going, well, you know, okay, It's it really boils down to is this the best one out of France? Maybe, maybe not. So I just wanted to – I saw that and just want to point that out, that it probably is noted as one of the better ones. The Beaujolais wines and stuff like that are really uh, – Fantastic, but still, some people are not big fans of it uh, because it's too much for them. Uh, no, this is not spam. Uh, okay. And let's see. Uh, Where is that? One? Uh, I had another wine that I had that I was gonna talk about. And
1: what is it? oh,
2: Rumbar Vineyards. Rumbar. Uh I think they were a guest, if if I remember correctly. Uh Rumbar Vineyards. Uh they have a new and improved digital experience. <coughs> Excuse me says, we are thrilled to announce the launch of a new website for Rumbar Vineyards. Uh it says, we strive for excellence in everything we do, from making high-quality wines to create an extraordinary experience with you, either in our tasting rooms or elsewhere around the world. We welcome you to visit and experience the new com. And it is uh, uh, it's a cool site. So, go to it. Uh, rombauer.com r-o-m-b-a-u-e-r dot com simple as that and uh, check out their new site And they got videos and new clubs and stuff like that they are located in uh, uh, California Napa Valley and the Sierra foothills up north a little bit more actual tasting is in St. Helena and uh, Napa so uh, check it out though, rambar.com And let's see, I well, Ennery Winery. I had them say It's not here. Ennery Winery Wineries having all sorts of stuff going on at the end of the year here, or end of the season. They're doing fall stuff coming up, as is a lot of the wineries. So. Yeah, If you're into some of the fall stuff, contact your local wineries and see if they're having any fall events or anything like that going on. Okay, let's see. Uh, I thought I had something else around here. I guess not. Let me go to this and tell you some of the stuff I had on this. is this... – hmm, Okay. This is, oh, this was an interesting article. Why gender split? How is wine being bought and approached by male and female? And this is an interesting article, short basically, but interesting. It says, there's been a lot of sense that women buy more wine than men. But according to wine marketeers, industry isn't necessarily one-sided, and it's much more complicated than just men buy more than than are uh, women buy more than men, because you have to take price into consideration, you have to take the styles of wine into consideration, and all that. Women buy more Prosecco, sparkling wines, uh, Pinot Grigio, uh, you know, Sauvignon Blancs than men do. But that doesn't mean that men don't buy wine. Uh, they do. Uh, usually, men will buy wine, by sherries and ports. This this is something that women usually don't buy. Uh, and the sherries and ports, cost wise, usually run a little bit more than uh, a bottle of Pinot Grigio. So it screws the screws the the uh, uh, surveys off because of those things. Uh, it's not an easy subject to untangle. Gallup's 2021 alcohol beverage study was released in August, just last month. They came up with a massive gender split. And uh, the Gallup's poll found that only 15% of the men, U.S. men who drink alcohol, said they prefer wine over beer and spirits. And that the typical U.S. wine drinker was a college-educated woman 55 or older. On the other hand, men preferred beer by a more than three-to-one margin. Even more stunning in this survey, there was a second survey in a row from Gallup that reported the 15% number. So it was two different surveys that said that men only consume 15% of the wine, and that women are the ones who actually buy it. So what's going on here, the question begs to be asked? Well, here's uh, a poll by by subgroup, and it shows that men uh, prefer beer, 54% wine 15 percent and liquor 28 percent women on the other hand beer 23 wine 49 and liquor 26 and by age groups 18 to 34 wine is only 22 percent 35 to 54 28 percent and 55 and older 42 percent so that's where the age groups take over on wine too is on the uh, older group, whereas the younger group, 18 to 34, beer is 45%. And then uh, liquor, uh, 30, 27, 23% respectively in each age group. So that doesn't vary a whole lot. Education does a little bit more here. Now, on college graduate. 33% 33% beer, 41% wine, 22% liquor, whereas not college graduates, 43% beer, 24% wine, and 30% liquor. And household incomes, lower income beer, higher the income wine. I mean that's just basically the breakdown there. But a says that uh, the, uh, tracking this over a period of time and trying to get sense out of this isn't really the way to do it. Gallo has a strange methodology. Or Gallo, Gallup. Have I been saying Gallup? It's Gallup. The Gallup poll. Um, Gallup poll has a strange methodology that they still use. Uh, they call. Uh, it is a uh, landline. And they use also a small sample. They take a sample of telephone and then they extrapolate from that what the percentage would be. Uh, so for this survey, 70% of uh, the cell phones and 30% landlines gave them their numbers. Well, it would almost certainly make the results a little Odd because of the fact that landlines probably are only used by older people. You're not going to get a whole lot of landlines in the in the 30 somethings. Uh, I don't even think most households have a landline in that age group. and they also uh, are calling people. Uh, other surveys have been taken that show, a little bit different results when they do it online and ask people online how they're doing so that's something else uh, consumers younger than 50 aren't drinking as much uh, they uh, also show that uh, the drinking Americans that that actually drink alcohol now are at a 20 year low and that's just that's all categories so that's going to be a little bit different. The uh, uh, another survey was done by the Fox Hill Group, and he pointed out to a wide-ranging pandemic drinking study that was concluded er- earlier this year and found that three out of every five consumers reported consuming less alcohol during the pandemic. Now, that really struck me as odd because you would think, especially with home deliveries jumping up and, you know, these companies that we saw where they increased their sales by 2,000% and stuff like that, that the drinking would be higher during the pandemic. But this survey shows that three out of every five customers showed consuming less. So those two out of five are drinking an awful lot to get these numbers up. The uh, pandemic survey queried 48,000 adults through the internet. Uh, They said if you use landlines, you can get 60-year-olds and older, and if you use uh, uh, just cell phones, you're going to get 44-year-olds and younger. So they did it through the internet. And it says that the consumers aren't drinking less, but it's important to understand that it's probably for health reasons and also alcohol is expensive and for religious and moral concerns these are things that the Gallup poll didn't really address in the different areas of this and they also said that it the Gallup poll didn't to really give a good cross-section especially doing it by phone calls so They've came up with the wine consumption among US adults twenty one plus. It shows that high frequency wine drinkers more than more often than once a week, only fourteen percent. And this is out of a base of five thousand six hundred and forty adults. Fourteen percent high frequency. Occasional wine drinkers, these are once a week or less often, but more than once every two to three months, 25%. Infrequent alcohol consumers, these drink alcohol, including wine, less than every two to three months, 10%. Non-wine drinkers, drink beer and or spirits only, 26%. And teetotalers, twenty five percent so according to this, you know wine consumption is really down uh, so it's it's an interesting interesting surveys there interesting uh things I really thought that the wine consumption would be higher uh, among everyone because articles and things that I've read and I've shared with you show that wine is up in so many of the areas but according to this it's not it's uh wine consumption tends to be down a little bit so there you go that's uh interesting interesting thing about uh the wine consumption during this pandemic there is a winery that closed down uh and they usually don't i it's uh, wineries are usually sold or passed down through generations or stuff like that, especially in California, but all around the world. You don't see wineries closing a whole lot. I closed Florida State's winery because, well, basically one main reason. I don't think anyone would continue caring about it as much as I did and continue the same quality I did. And that's really why it wasn't passed on and continued to stay open. I had to retire. The doctor told me, My diabetes, uh, because of ancient orange in Vietnam, my diabetes was causing my body to uh, do all sorts of weird stuff, and she highly suggested, almost demanded that I close and retire. So I did. But I didn't pass it on to anyone because there was no one to pass on to, and I didn't sell it again because I didn't think the quality could... People, I don't think, would have taken the same pride in it as I did. So that closed. Well, here's another one that closed. Dirty and Rowdy Family Wines, they closed also. Uh, 11 years in business, they announced that they were dissolving. No changing hands, no transfers, just closed. And the reason is is because the two owners decided that it was the best way to do it. Hardy Wallace, who goes by the nickname Dirty, and then Matt Richardson, who is known as Rowdy, uh, said that uh, they were just going to close it. They couldn't be Dirty and Rowdy without either a Dirty or a Rowdy, so they went out of it. Now, one of them – let me see if I can see it here in the article. Uh, Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, Wallace. Uh, Hardy Wallace said that he is going to open up another winery, completely different name, everything else, and start another winery. The thing is with wineries now, and this, this is why it's so much easier to close a lot of wineries, is because they don't have a bunch of vineyards and a bunch of money invested in the vineyards and stuff and trying to find a buyer and trying to find uh, something. They just had a taste room, They were purchasing grapes from other growers around Napa, and so it was pretty easy for them to just close the door. They also had a very, very big customer's email list and different um, wine club members and stuff, and so that was how they sold a lot of their wines, too, through that. So they closed. And uh, so if you're familiar with dirty and rowdy family wines, I had one a um, couple of years. Oh, geez. When was yeah. it? About, about three years ago, I guess it was. I had an opportunity to have a dirty and rowdy wine. It was good. It was very good. Uh, it was a Pinot uh, Noir, I want to say. I, I believe it was. Water Merlot. I can't remember, right. okay now but they, they did an excellent job on their wines, but they're closing down, so, but like I say, they're going to be opening another one. Uh, okay, in the Midwest, sweet wines are big business, and they're majorly misunderstood. I, I'm going to be talking a lot more about sweet wines in Midwest, because Missouri is trying to grow their wine industry, and because they're trying to grow their wine industry, they uh, are, are in the center of that sweet wine, uh, the muscadine-style wines there. And so this article actually says that it's uh, people know sweet wines, but they just got this thing about sweet wines in the Midwest. They just talk bad about them. And there's no reason to. They said there's some great sweet wines out there. Uh, Muscat. (laughs) In fact, my granddaughter posted a picture of a wine that she got, and she goes, oh, I love this wine. It's a Muscat apple something. Muscat apple something. I can't remember what it is. But uh, she said her her boyfriend got it for her, and she goes, oh, he loves me. Look what he bought me. And I said, I'm going to sit that boy down and talk to him about wines. I mean, you know, uh, she said, "But I love this wine, and that's the key to it, right there." There's there's so many, so many people who love those. Uh, this uh, article here is talking about uh, blueberry Moscato. Uh, I've seen strawberry. I've seen all sorts of different ones, sweet reds, uh, red blends, uh, sweet red blends. These all are out there, and they really are a lot more popular than what we realize because it's well people have a sweet tooth and that's really what it boils down to. So if you are a sweet wine fan, more power to you, I don't have anything against you on that. Uh the sweet wines made from the Moscato grape I, I'm not a fan but I enjoy good sweet wine myself. Uh Moscato a nice Moscato uh, Gewürztraminer, some of these sweet wines. Salt churns are one of the most expensive wines in the world. you got ice wines that are very expensive, and those are very, very sweet. So we're looking at more and more sweet wines coming out because of the acceptance, I think, of the sweet wines. So, so there you go. I'm going to let Mike take over for a couple of three minutes here and tell you about some of the guests we had back at the end of the, last year and, beginning of this one we haven't talked about in a long time i'm going to remind everybody out there have them uh check them out so i'll let mike do that and then we'll close out the show
0: all right let me uh get the record player set and get ready for, to play some music and i'll take a deep breath and read the script live here we go <clears throat> Okay, back in October, co-directors Mark Johnson and Mark Ryan and writer Michael Karam were on the show October 8, 2020. The movie Wine and War, the untold story of wine in the Middle East, is about survival, resilience, and struggles. Wine has been in Lebanon culture for 7,000 years. They are raising money for Capo, a great uh, organization, and uh, you can go to... WineAndWar.com, WineAndWar.com. Click the Watch Now button, and that'll take you to uh, where you need to go to, to watch it. On October the 15th, Jim Loughran was on the show. He's a certified wine educator and author. You can visit com. That's Jim, dot ncom and uh, he has uh, two book, two quick books right now out uh, called The 15-Minute Guide to Red Wine, which is uh, only 28 pages uh, of good reading, and 15-Minute Guide to White Wine, which is another uh, quick read and a handy reference to have as well. Check that out on uh, Amazon on October 29th.
2: Well, there he did it again. <clears throat> Goodbye, Mike. He does that. We joke each other about the fact that Mike disappears every night about this time, and I hope that was Mike and not me. Yeah, it was Mike because he's coming back now.
0: It's available at Barnes & Noble's, Amazon, and (laughs) other outlets. On November 19th, we welcome Michael Brown, author of Pinot Rocks, and he's also a winemaker. The book is available on Amazon.com. Pinot Rocks is available in any format and the audio format is great because William Shatner did the audiobook version of his book. That's right, Captain Kirk. On January 14th, we had a great conversation with Cap Cap Lewis, a podcaster and blogger of cigars, spirits, coffee and wine and all about wine's own show host ron is also the wine panelist on the show for more information visit kaplowitz.xyz that's k-a-p-l-o-w-i-t-z.xyz on february 11th 2021 we had founder and producer of beer wine and spirits jeff bradford on the show the filmmaker dedicated to revealing the stories behind the labels of our favorite drinks On February 25th, we welcome Natalie McLean, podcast host of the popular Unreserved Wine Talk. She's also an author of Red, White, and Drink All Over, and Unquenchable, a tipsy quest for the world's best bargain wine, plus several quick reads available on her website. She is also the wine expert on CTV's The Social, which is Canada's largest daytime television show, CTV News, and Global Television's Morning Show. You can pick up her ultimate food and wine pairing guide for free by visiting her website at nataliemaclean. dot com forward slash all about wine. That's natalie m a c l e a n. dot com forward slash all about wine.
2: Thank you, Mike. Uh, stay with us the rest of the time now. I hope.
0: <laughs> yes, I reset my my. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize at the top of the hour I went up and I go, "Oh, what no!" Uh,
1: I was yeah. done. Well, you put
2: on. I said, "Oh, there went Mike." I said, "We've been having this issue every week, and so you know he'll be back with us in a second. And there you were. You mm-hmm. popped back up. Yeah. You know,
0: so. Yep. Uh, what's interesting is, is YouTube and Facebook did not get disconnected. Um no. It's only my con- It's only my connection to Blog Talk Radio, so they heard that without an interruption. <laughs> so oh, there you go. No. Wow, like that
1: that's
2: strange. Okay. Yet another strange thing on live all about wine.
0: Yeah. So that's well, if this was pre recorded you would not have heard that. It would've You would, would not have heard that. that.
2: We would have yeah. skipped right out of that and Mike would have edited it and but yeah. that's one of the fun things about all about
0: wine. <laughs> yeah. Never yeah. know. So.
2: Irritating
0: but, as uh, all hack was fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. all the it started uh, maybe I don't know two three months ago maybe two months ago yeah it's just right at the top of the hour it's uh, I don't know they're changing servers or something I don't know what they're doing but uh, anyway so there we go so it back. Just, you know, and, it's, it's
2: funny it just it does that and it just okay. we we can't figure it out so yeah. oh well
0: you okay be the one used, and now I am.
2: Yeah, um, I used to every, black out and disappear too, so uh yeah. oh well. Oh well.
0: well we're good. That takes it uh for this week, I believe. It yep. is August August September the ninth, and we will be back uh, September sixteenth, next Thursday, seven PM Eastern time. Uh right here on Blog Talk Radio and uh Facebook y uh, and YouTube. There you go. So, thanks (laughs) for tuning in and have a great week. And I need to switch something over here. Here we go. Live, live radio, folks. All right, here we go. Thanks again, (laughs) and uh, we'll
1: talk to you next time.
2: Be safe out there. Thanks for listening.
1: and we'll see you next time. On all about wine.
0: Or right, it's also on Apple iTunes. It's on uh, some other. oh Hold on a second. And this one. <laughs> on. Okay. And close the windows out. Uh, okay. I think we're good. Oh, we're not in the green room. And going to the green room.